This episode is brought to you by AWOM Lab. AWOM Lab is a creative space that offers membership for women entrepreneurs. The membership includes access to a cafe, high-speed Wi-Fi, a small retail store, and a full-service photography and podcast studio. The Lab fosters women's empowerment and is designed to inspire, motivate, and connect women in South Florida. AWOM Lab also has an in-house creative agency that develops content for female-owned brands. Most importantly, the vibe and energy is that of collaboration and hustle. So if you're an entrepreneur looking to kickstart your business, and need a place to work from or event space, make sure to follow AWOM Lab on Instagram. That's A-W-O-M-L-A-B. GGB is a proud member and we can't wait to see you at the lab. See you there. Girls Gone Boss is the driven women's guide to love, life, and business. Hosted by the boss ladies Alex and Gabby. Combined, their network gathers an array of women from various industries who exemplify strength and tenacity. Their fun and positive approach to life will awaken the boss in you. You're listening to Girls Gone Boss. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Girls Gone Boss. We are super excited to share the news, if you're local to Miami, that we've partnered up with Jenna Jones from Vixen Workout on a live event to kick off Women's Month. So next Saturday, March 2nd at Vixen Studios in Wynwood, we're going to be doing a Vixen Workout class followed by a live taping of Girls Gone Boss podcast with special guest love coach Lisa Concepcion, who is backed by popular demand. You guys asked for it. We brought her back and we're going to be talking all about manifesting love in 2019 because it's not too late, ladies, and taking all of your love questions live. Stay tuned for more details on how to sign up because space is limited. And if you're not local to Miami, don't worry. GGB will be going on the road later this year and doing some live podcast events and interviews. So we'll keep you updated with more tour details. Now, Gabby and I are incredibly excited to introduce you to our guest this week. We dive deep into social media marketing and learn a lot we didn't already know. Now, bear with us for the first few minutes of the episode. We had a little bit of an audio hiccup that got fixed rather quickly. So let's get to it. Our guest today is one of the leading experts on digital marketing and media in South Florida with over 20 years of experience working for Fortune 500 companies with her work in senior roles at Warner Brothers, Viacom, RTI Telemundo, and for Mantle Media, she combines a thorough knowledge of traditional marketing as well as in-depth expertise on how to integrate these new digital marketing strategies for business success. In 2015, she joined Swatch Group as U.S. Head of Digital Marketing and in a short time, led the growth of the brand's online revenue by 72% on all digital channels. She collaborated with the NBA, Macy's, GQ Magazine, and Tourneau in the company's key digital marketing campaigns and partnerships. In 2016, she founded the Digital Bus firm that focuses in consulting and training in digital marketing. Currently, she is lead consultant strategist for several businesses in South Florida and a corporate trainer for various companies, including NBC, Univision, Fox, Telemundo, and Wilma Schumann Skincare. Welcome to Girls Gone Boss, Carol Bardesano. Yay! Yes. Carol? Yes. How are you? I'm doing great. So excited to be with both of you. I'm so We're excited. excited to be with you. Tell us about growing up. Now you mentioned your mom and you're from Venezuela, right? So I was born in Venezuela, but um, I was sort of raised in a weird way. It was great, um, you know, for for a lot of uh, jokes in my class. My parents are both immigrants. So my dad is from Spain and my mom is from Colombia, but I was born in Venezuela. So I didn't have any of the Venezuelan habits or even like eating styles of 
you know, kinds of foods at home or anything. Um, so it was it was definitely interesting. I, I was made sure that I felt like an outcast <laughs> while growing up, which made me stronger. And it also, um, I think that helped with me not having fear starting over all the time. I mean, I moved um, uh, out of Venezuela when I was uh, 14, 15, and I sort of like, you know, had to make new friends. And then I, I moved um, to Europe uh, when I did my master's degree and I had to make new friends there. And then I moved back and I had Where to start over. Move? So I moved to Paris and I Ooh. did my master's degree there. Um, How old were you when you were in Paris? So I was 21. I was, I had just graduated from college and I, I, I think that when you just graduate, you paralyze in fear. You're like, do I want to go straight to work? I'm not really sure. I, I was really not um, clear as to what I wanted to do. And I, and I felt that there was still more in me. And I said, like, if not now, when? I was very single at the time. And, you know, I, I, I had really no attachment. So I applied to do my um, master's degree. I wanted to do a master's, but I was going to stay in the U.S. And then I got accepted, which I... I was so sure that I wasn't because it, it was very, uh, it was difficult test to take. And I got accepted. I'm like, this is a sign. So I just left. And two years later, you know, I, I, I came back. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was amazing. It was uh, definitely a learning uh, experience in every way, uh, socially, culturally. I mean, you learn a lot about yourself when you, in the beginning, you go through days where you're literally like not talking to anyone because they don't talk to you on the street like that. I mean, yeah, I would go to class and then I started making a lot of friends and, you know, everyone was uh, really nice. Uh, but yeah, it, it, you, you do learn and grow immensely when you move to another country, especially a country that's so different from anything else. It looked, it was nothing like Latin America or like the U.S. They are very unique in their style. They're not even, they're not even like relatable to anyone in Spain or in London. They're very different, especially the Parisians. And, and French people will say this about the Parisians. Um, I, what I loved about them is that they really don't get involved in your life, which is very different to the Latin community. It's like, what did she do? What did he do? What? Oh my God! What is she wearing? What is she wearing? Who's she with? Ah, so they broke up. Like in Paris, nobody gossips. Like they don't really care. They just living their lives. They're either reading a book or like, and of course, don't even get me started because they don't watch TV either. So they're very much about you know being cultivated and going to museums, and but not about talking about other people. And that was amazing. I think that's the cultural like difference from the Americans, right? Yes. We're so like nosy. I, but more the Latins. <laughs> I would say more the Latins, oh, yeah. which is like, you know, talking about other people. And I and I thought that was great because you don't feel judged in any way ever. Like you can just, you know, be But wearing- I feel that way in New York City. Yeah. Like New York has like a Parisian vibe, I yes. guess. Because everyone's kind of living their life. Yes. Get out of the way. I am going to where I get, need yes. to go. Step it up, honey. Yes. And you can literally be whoever you want on a fashion side too, which is, to me, that's so free. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I think that's very much, you know, like like New York in that sense. Although I think in New York, people are a little more... Um, driven and it's more of a comparison of success because people are so successful and so you know like hardworking in, in New York whereas in, in Paris that stuff doesn't care. really matter like, that's not a measurement of like success. Um, yeah. success or like getting anywhere to them it's just like 
living. To to them, success is like, okay, how many books did you read this week? (laughs) Really, for real. It's like, okay, did you read, you know, Voltaire um, in the original language or or things like that? That's that's how they measure, which is very different. Um, And did you see the last exhibition, uh, the Louvre and things like that? And and which is, again, a contrast. (laughs) I mean, you can't go in bragging like, oh, I just got my hair done. Because you're going to be like, what? Or like, did you watch the Kardashians? <laughs> no, 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 no TV. I mean, <laughs> so it, it it's, you know, it gives you a different like angle. Yeah. I definitely, one of my goals is to go to Paris. Oh. I haven't gone yet, but oh, I'm obsessed it. with like French and like, I mean, Paris to me is like the most romantic city too. Do you recommend going alone first or like with your boo? You don't have to go with no boo to Paris, uh, which is great. You can go by yourself and have an amazing time. So, yeah. And, and, and by the way, you don't have to go wait to have a boo to go anywhere. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I remember when I was single, I was dying to go to Maui and I was waiting. I'm like, when I have a boyfriend, I'm going to go. And my best friend and I were like, let's just go the two of us. I mean, because why? Why wait? No, yeah. But definitely Paris, I think it's actually the one place where people think it's all romantic, it's sex in the city, and it's really not entirely like that. It's actually not as romantic as people think. It it can be romantic, but it it can also be, you know, um, just by yourself having a great time. The great thing about it is that nobody's really looking at you if you're eating by yourself or if you're really walking by yourself. Nobody is cares so that's very you know freeing it's it is yeah. freeing. so go by yourself yes, i mean go wherever I you want that's really. gonna be goals this year for I'll sure go with you awesome. yes let's go yeah. girl paris yeah. girls got mass in paris yay yes. after uh, paris where did you head to so i went to spain to work for a year after that um and i worked in madrid which is where my family on my dad's side is from and then I came back and... Um, Madrid, I have been to. Madrid I is like beautiful. Madrid. Yeah. yeah. Great food, right? Gorgeous. Good food. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Amazing. Amazing food. You know, there's a lot of Venezuelans there. Of course. <laughs> yes, because there's a lot of Venezuelans that, uh, that have parents or grandparents from Spain. So they have the passport, right? It's easier for, right. for Venezuelans mm-hmm. to move to Spain. And they, they've been very welcoming to Venezuelans in Spain. Um, so it's it's easier. My dad is born and raised in Madrid. So I had it. It was easy for me because I already had the passport. But yeah, it's and also the language helps. It's not like moving to Germany or something where you're like, wow, from Venezuela into a, a, a different country like that. But Spain, yes, it's a lot of Venezuelans now. Um, so after that, I moved for a year and then I, I came back to Miami and I got a job at, um, at Telemundo, at uh, the production company and started working as a producer. And do you guys remember Taxi Cab Confessions? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which one? Which one was that? Or, or, or are you guys too young for no, that? No, I remember that. <laughs> but I thought that it was an HBO, HBO show. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It was actually really cool. It was, it was Americans being nosy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it was exactly that. So we did a version, a Latin version with celebrities. So we interviewed. Um, we went to Mexico and to Colombia and to Venezuela, and we interviewed celebrities in a taxi with like a host. The host was like a Jimmy Fallon kind of guy. He was the driver, the taxi cab driver. So he was. Was really funny and interacting with the celebrities so we produced that for a year um and that was my very first real job um at yeah I was 23 and uh it was definitely you know interesting and uh, the learning curve imagine that the first um uh, producer but how job. did you how did this love for let let's say you transitioned from french literature to right. tv very- like how, i mean talk about reinventing yourself like how did that happen so um 
I, I always had a love for literature. I love writing and reading. And, you know, I, I love literature in every language. I mean, English, Spanish, all of it. Um, but I mean, I knew I wasn't really going to make a job out of it. So, you know, my dad was like, get a, a degree in something that that where you can actually work. And I sort of grew up in TV with with well, with my family and I, I loved it. I went to productions and I interned, I don't know at how many places since the age of 14. I was like an intern, literally like carrying cables and doing a ton of things in the production side. So I know I was going to end up doing that, but I was like, my heart kind of wants to do the whole hippie, bohemian like style, love. even for two at least for two years. But when I came back, you know, my, my dad especially was like, okay, like you need to get a real job, get a real job, like enough, like you got your stuff done, you learn great. So, so that's when I started working. And then after that, I went to Warner and that was my first really real corporate job. I was 24, 25. So your first job was Warner Brothers. My first real corporate job, like having an office. Because the other one, you know, when you're a producer, you're sort of flying around. You're not really sitting anywhere. You're sort of everywhere. But the first real corporate job, which I started as a temp, I didn't even, I mean, they had a position and I was so desperate because I had interviewed and interviewed for six months. And they were like, well, we have something as a temp in marketing. And I'm like, I'll take it. It's like, we can't pay you. And I'm like, I'll still take it. You know, I just didn't matter. It didn't matter to me. I wanted to get the name on the resume because I had I had a very small resume at the time. I was 24. So I said, yes, I'll, I'll do it. Yeah, whatever you need to do. And um, I just went in and and it was supposed to be a three-month position. And it turned into two years. I, I ended up getting promoted to director of programming, which is what I really wanted. Um, wow, that quickly? So this here's what happened. I started as a temp and they were like, okay, you're, you're marketing. You're a marketing temp and you have a very basic menial role which is which was fine I was like okay I don't it doesn't matter you have to pay your dues I was very aware of that but I was so obsessed with programming you know when you want to jump into a different area but there's no in like so I started creating these reports that nobody asked for for programming I know I'm such a nerd I I'm total like type A and I thought I was like I think this would be useful for people so I started drafting these reports and I started distributing them to departments and they were like this is really cool this is the information that we needed but programming is so busy that they don't deliver these reports and I just started doing them and you know this is what I always tell people that are starting out like don't just do your job description go further do what you think you would want I mean like for for real and it took a lot of time but I thought it was necessary and then my boss at the time was like this is so much initiative and really like it's it's different kind of thinking. So yeah, within s- seven, eight months, I got into programming as coordinator. And then, um, I mean, it really, the stars aligned because the head of programming got pregnant and she didn't want to come back. So I had already been, you know, like training and I knew a lot about the strategy and I, I was given the role. I was given the chance as head of programming. And yeah, I was definitely very, very young, but I, I was obsessed with it. And I worked three times as hard because I, I knew I had to compensate for the lack of credentials I had at the time. Um, but it was, yeah, it ended up being in a, an amazing time and probably the hardest job in my life because I had a tough boss at the time at a very, very demanding, um, yeah, difficult, difficult woman as a boss that at the time it was horrible, but it made me so strong. I mean, after going through that, I'm like, I could, I can work with anyone <laughs> really. <laughs> and, you know, I was, I was young, I was, I was 25, 26. So it was, yeah, it was, it was scary, but it, it was the good 
I guess, uh, baptism by fire really into the corporate world. There's something really great that you get to learn a lot from terrible bosses, yes. right? Because yes. you, one, you learn h- how you j- don't want to be when exactly. you become a boss. And then they become so demanding that you end up learning a lot at the end. So yes. it, it, sometimes it's a good it, thing. Yes. Tough and yeah, skin, it does. especially in this side of the business. You absolutely. Know? Absolutely. And you guys know that this industry is not easy. I mean, no, this isn't Montessori. I always say like, you have to really have thick skin. Otherwise, it's going to spit you right out. It's like living in New York. I always say, don't go to New York thinking that it's like Asheville, North Carolina. It's not. <laughs> um, you got to be ready. You got to uh, be tough. That's why New Yorkers make it. And and that's why big companies are there. There's a reason for that. It's because of the way New Yorkers are. So you think this bad boss kind of just catapulted that fire inside of you, like that boss in you, like, man, if I can do this, I can do whatever. Or how did you overcome working with someone so difficult? I I ended up quitting because it was very difficult. I had a hard time even like sleeping. I was so stressed out. Yeah. Wow. Um, But those two years, I was the one that lasted the longest. One of the ones that lasted the longest in the company. Um, And that made me already like, okay, like I'm already two years in. I think I'm done. Uh, But it it, it made me stronger uh, when I had the reference with other jobs. Um, and I said like, okay, yeah, this, but this boss is, every boss is difficult. Okay. That's their job. They're supposed to, you know, be demanding and get results because that's, they're also, they're, they're basically their job is on the line as well. But, uh, after having that experience, I was like, this is, I, I, it was a good reference to have to compare and never complain again about a boss, even though more difficult bosses came and I had great bosses too. And and like what Alex said, yes, it was, I will never be like this kind of person. It's like, okay, this is something not to do. Um, and and that's also an experience where you're like, I will never um, want my employees to have fear. I would, you know, I would want them to feel that we're a team. Um, so yeah, it does, it is learning. I mean, it hurts. It's like your parents. It's like in the beginning, you're like, oh my God. And now you're like, wow, thank you right. for being strict and demanding or whatever. Speaking of parents though, yeah. your, your dad's a pretty big name in the, in the television world, right? <laughs> Do you want to tell everyone a little bit about like your background with your family? <laughs> well, so my dad, uh, has worked, can you believe this 53 years in the same company? It, it, it's unheard even, of. It's unheard yeah. of. I know that doesn't happen Crazy. anymore. Crazy. Yes, 53 years this year. Um, And uh, he comes from uh, television um, on the executive side. So I basically, yeah, I I grew up in it in that my dad works a lot of hours and he loves working. That's, you know, his thing. That's his hobby, his love, his passion. Everything is the job. Um, So he was always on the phone at home. Lita and I like taking meetings or he would take us into meetings. So I grew up with that, you know, with all that lingo, that television strategy kind of like thinking. Um, So when I started, I felt that, you know, it wasn't, oh, I don't know what a leading is into a show or I don't know how to launch a program. I had been hearing it for so often. So yeah, that that definitely helped. It it also made me, you know, I had to prove myself ten, ten times more because, you know, you don't want to be, oh yeah, she got this for which is which wasn't the case, but 
people will always you right. know wonder. So I was I was very diligent with with my work just because I never wanted to be questioned um, about that. Um, and I love and my my family of course, uh, but I wanted to do my own thing. We never wanted to work together uh, either my brother or, or, or my dad. And and it, we we could have, but I'm like no 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 no. Right. You guys do your thing. I'll do my thing. So I stayed in cable for Latin American. My brother went to the U.S. Hispanic, and my dad stayed in. Um, broadcast uh, in Venezuela. So we we had very three very separate areas of of you know of TV where we didn't really, you know, overlap. Right, your worlds yeah. don't overlap, but it's still the same industry. Exactly. Anyway. Yeah. But we had different contacts and different yeah, it was it was uh we we could talk about about it and kind of like bounce off ideas um during weekends but it was never like either competition or oh they're here because of this uh it was pretty clear that we were we were isolated in our own little spaces but you you nice. seem to have a like a really strong work ethic i mean i know you do because we worked with you <laughs> at one Thank point you. but i'm sure that comes from your dad too he oh, must yeah. have taught you a lot Oh yeah, about being hardworking. My dad was definitely. I mean, when I when I was growing up in Venezuela, so the ranking system is from one to twenty. So twenty is like A plus, and if I got like a nineteen, he'll be like, "That's good, but why didn't you get the 20 I'm like, "But I got nineteen, and that took a lot of work." And say, like, "That's amazing, but can you shoot for twenty next time?" And I'm like, "Jesus!" Like in the beginning, I was like, he, "He's so like insatiable," um, but that just really he. He knew that, you know, I could give more and that's what I, I'm, I, I, it helped me that, you know, don't give like 95%, give a hundred, give it all. Like, you know, don't not accept ever mediocrity from anyone or yourself. I, I have learned through the 18 years that I've been in corporate, um, hard work will beat talent 100% of the time. 100% of the time I've seen, I've seen talented, creative, amazing people that do not, they either, you know, they're either um, lazy or they just don't have the ethic or they feel that, you know, they, they're going to have us things. And it just doesn't work that way where, where when you really give it your all and you're staying late at night and you have, if you have to sleep for three hours for a month because you're putting together an amazing presentation, do it. I mean, over prepare, always, always, always that has been, you know, my biggest lesson that I got from my dad and what I have seen results with. I mean, it, at the beginning, I'm like, oh, I had to really take his word for it. But now that I do it, I'm, it I see it, it's really what gives you, what gets you to success. Um, it, it, it never fails. And I tell young people, I, especially younger generations, millennials and Gen Caesars, um, it's like, guys, like really g- give it, give it your all. Uh, don't, don't do things halfway. I mean, did you check when I, when I find, when I get a resume that has errors, I'm like immediately, what is this? You couldn't even check your resume, <laughs> please. Like what, what are you going to deliver? What kind of report if, if, you know, if you can't even check your resume. So that's, that's the biggest thing. I mean, that. And by the way, you control that. You don't control the talent or if you're like a genius. Not everyone is Mark Zuckerberg, a programmer with with that brain. But uh, you can control how many hours you put into something. That's really entirely up to you. Yeah, and I think um, employers and and managers and bosses will see that and they'll be like, okay, she doesn't know this or he doesn't know this, but I'll take him under my wing because I know that he works hard. He's always here on time. He has amazing work ethic. Um, He's a pleasure to work with. I always tell everyone Mm -hmm. too, I was just in a panel um, last year and I was saying what I, I think it's important is also to have like, 
you know, to be good to be around. Yes. Like people, you know, oh, you yeah. have to be with people over eight hours a day, almost every day of your life. And if you're like such like a Absolutely. like, you know, a negative Nancy all the mm-hmm. time. It's like people, you know, you you can be positive, a positive light where you go. People are going to be like, oh, there she goes. I love her. Like, oh, oh yeah. man, there's there's opportunity coming about. Why don't we think of such and such? Right. She always had such a great attitude. Absolutely. You know? Oh, you're so right on that point. I mean, come with a good attitude. Um, I, I hate the complainers. Like, oh, when am I going to get on promotion or an office or whatever? I mean, the, the, the constant nagging is it's probably the most corrosive energy you can bring to a work environment. Uh, I mean, you're going to have negatives in an office or in a work environment, like, and you can find them if you look for them, but you can also look for other things. And so, it's also uh, yeah. contagious because it's easy oh, to sure. get caught up in the conversation or caught up in that feeling of like, oh, yes, we're doomed. But then there has to be someone that like snaps out of it. Like, yeah. hey, guys, I think we should focus on the positive. Like, you You're know, so, so right. let's not take part in it either. You know, You're so right. it's easy to get caught up. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because you want to be the echo of, of and that person usually drives the conversation when someone has that strong energy. Um, but yeah, I, I, I feel that attitude. When you have a good attitude, you can learn anything. So even if somebody doesn't bring the skill set, but you can train them because they have the good attitude and they're willing to learn. Um, th- you have a, a valuable asset in that person more so than if someone comes with a lot of talent, but then they don't have the attitude. They, you know, they just they they're just not gonna you know be they're good not gonna for be the moldable. Role. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. correct. Yeah, absolutely. So, how did you make that change from television to digital? Because <laughs> okay. that's crazy. To, it's yeah. crazy to you reinvented yourself and went <laughs> back to school. We, we both worked yeah. with her at MTV. That's how we met Carol. <laughs> And now you have your own company. So, yeah, I. it's so funny that you remember this conversation, I Alex. Do. I do. It was in your office, too. I remember exactly. I, what was the conversation? <laughs> so I, I don't remember why I was in her office, probably just to talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or to go over like a brief for, for, for a promo or something. And... Um, she said, well, I'm not going to be around this week because I'm going to San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, cool. You're going on vacation. And she's like, no, I'm going back to school. And I was like, say what? <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean you're going to school? And you were doing a, a program for yeah. a few weeks and then coming back and you were going yeah. back and forth, right? Yes. yes. And then she told me, she's like, digital marketing is the future. <laughs> and when was this? How long ago? God. So this was in 2013, 14. Um, and, uh, I, and I love that you remember that conversation because I did have the talk with a few people. And of course, most people are like, she's insane. She's leaving a well-paying job that's very comfortable because at the time it was, it was comfortable. I was basically, you know, doing programming, the strategy, but I didn't have a ton after five years. I didn't have a ton, a ton of learning. I already, I could do it blindfolded. Um, and I felt that I was far too young to just sit and basically be comfortable. Uh, and I started feeling very uncomfortable in meetings, talking about digital marketing without knowing. I, I felt really intimidated about digital marketing. I never wanted to be this person like, oh yeah, blah, 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 and, and, and pretend to know and then being asked a question and then really falling flat on my face. So I'm like, if I'm going to be able to have a conversation and do a strategy, a complete holistic like strategy. I have to learn this thing and I have to learn it right. It cannot be by reading a blog or reading three blogs. So um, I, I, my, my dad again, he was like, do it, do it. You know, just like you have to basically keep learning. Otherwise, you know, you are 
going to basically go extinct. And the thing about my specific area, which doesn't happen to everyone, was that as a programmer, I knew that the days were counted. Because how many people here are really waiting for a show to start? Everybody goes on Netflix, Hulu. I mean, you watch a show whenever you want to watch a show, and that's the end of it. So I sort of felt that my specific department was really a thing of a past and it will be I saw the writing on the wall and um, I started feeling you know you know you know what they say if you're the smartest person in the room you're in the wrong room um, and I'm like I'm just not learning I it, so I I went and it was a really tough decision by the way I I, I had sleepless nights because I'm like am I ever gonna find a job again it's starting over it's not like I'm 18 um, and uh, and I just I just felt I remember I always ask for signs. I don't know if you guys do that, but I always ask for signs from the universe. So I got a sign, um, which was very clear. I got an email, and I'm like, okay, this is a sign. It was it was a nasty email, which was the best sign that I could have gotten. <laughs> I'm like, okay, yes, I'm I'm definitely gonna do this, and I'm gonna change. You know, I'm gonna change paths. Um, and starting over again. Again, super humbling because I'm like, wow, I know nothing. And it was just weird after 16 years where I felt like, you know, very, I I knew how to swim the TV industry waters. I knew a a lot of people and I just loved it. I'm like, wow, I I had to go to conventions, not know anyone, um, really sit by myself. I mean, you meet everyone. That's exciting. Yeah, people in digital marketing are actually extremely nice. When you go to conferences in San Francisco, everyone is so sweet and down to earth. And Most of them are entrepreneurs, right? A lot of them are entrepreneurs. A lot of them are app developers, but they're brilliant and they're very easygoing. I, I didn't encounter, I haven't encountered any egos in any conference, which was refreshing and different so um that part was easy then the part of coming back and looking for a job (laughs) new in an industry was was definitely interesting uh but i loved it so much i completely fell in love with it and you know when you when you're in a in a new relationship where everything is like puppy love and you just can't wait this is gonna sound super corny but i felt puppy love with digital marketing and social media (laughs) i was like this is all i want to do i only want to read on this stuff i only want to talk about this stuff i just want everything was needs to revolve around digital marketing for me like this is my love and and that was it and i i never looked back again um but um you know i had friends that thought i I was insane again because i had i had a job so it was leaving everything to go into the uncertain world and you know but really you were ahead of the game and now i see it at the time i didn't have the gift of perspective because i just didn't really know i knew yeah social media whatever but not like now where people are now desperate that this is why people contact me like i need to learn this stuff now it's out of desperation because you really cannot afford not to have a digital strategy but at the time it wasn't it wasn't as clear and it would have been easier if it, if it had been i i really took a leap of faith and and it was it was a risk but it, it came from you know like again my parents being immigrant i'm like i i just have to start over it'll be fine i'll survive you know what's the worst that before happen? yeah there's something very freeing of coming from a background like that of immigrant parents and knowing that like you can't start over and it'll be okay yeah because it's, a lot of people don't have that experience they don't true. know they don't know and they 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 stay stuck where they are true true the comfort and the and what they know and the people they know i mean i had to i have had to make new friends so many times so many times where now I don't know we all get to an age and I think you guys would relate to this you know when you have a toxic person in your life where you're like I need to cut this person off like before I would that would give me so much fear now it's like 
I need to cut you off and I'll be fine. Right. Like no longer is, is, is it going to be that case. I will accept less than or being mistreated or being like undermined because I'm afraid that I won't meet other people. I, I will survive. Because I think at our age, we also um, understand how our environment really cultivates who we are mm -hmm. and what we're around is who we are. And, you know, you want to protect that the most you can. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's freeing to be able to be like, you know what, this doesn't serve me and it's okay. Exactly. Relationships, uh, especially because um, relation, I mean, with family, you, it's harder to cut them off. Right, right, yeah. But, but maybe like, you don't can. have to hang out you with can. them all the time. Yeah. In <laughs> doses. Exactly. You get to choose the time. Exactly. Um, but but yeah, and, and what I tell everyone when when they come um, to, to, you know, they want to learn, say it's never too late. Like learn this stuff. I have trained people in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. I mean, it is. And I love the people when they're older that they, they're like, yeah, whatever. My grandmother um, got her uh, college degree at 65. That's amazing. Can you wow. believe that? What a badass. 65. She, she four years. It wasn't just oh, like, wow. a, like a basic degree. She went to Gainesville. She drove 45 minutes every single day. She went had to, to UF? Take she went, um, I, I think she, was, she went to University of Gainesville and she basically had to take math again. I couldn't take math again. I forgot that stuff. I, I really, I don't think I could do all those classes. She had to redo everything and she, she never had a title uh, growing up because she was, she had five kids and of course priorities. Um, and, um, and she really inspired me to be like, it's never too late. She was like, I want to have a college degree and I'm going to get a college degree. And it was still cute when she graduated. She, Aww. she walked up oh. with like all the graduates who were like in their 20s and everyone of course done innovation because she's 65 and she's she did the whole four years so that to me is what i tell people like never too late like whatever start over stay it's have a to mindset mm -hmm. absolutely it's absolutely a mindset for it, anything you're the one that block your that blocks yourself when yeah. you say like it's i'm too old or i'm too long or like it's really like we can have anything we want i've been like constantly listening to the secret oh i have it on audiobook awesome because you know i have to train my mind too i'm, oh, yeah. I'm you know we all have negative thoughts Absolutely. So, but it's so powerful what our mind can do and the age thing it's all like what they tell us oh you're getting older that means you're like you know that's it mm -hmm. no it's it, it that's just a mindset Absolutely. like you're still alive you're still breathing you're still thriving you're still very much young completely completely and by, and by the way the more you learn the younger you stay because your brain cells renew with activity so when you stay stuck on a job um it's what they call the velvet coffin it's Whoa. comfortable I didn't but know you had really a name. Did. So I, I, I love Jack Welch, who was the CEO of uh, Yes, General I read Electric. his book. He's amazing. I'm sorry, yes. the, C, the what? He's the C, he was the CEO of the General Electric. Oh, okay. And he, he I, I love his interviews. And he, he actually used this term. And I thought it was so perfect for being in that cozy, comfortable job where you're like, it's velvet, but it's a coffin because you're going nowhere. Um, and especially if you're young. And, and I, I think, you know, you, you're all super young at staying like that. You're you're practically living dead because you're not learning. You're not growing. You're not exciting. Again, you're not passionate. And who wants to live like that? Really? Life's too short. No. Wow. I love that term. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it great? I read yeah. his book. I mean, I, re I don't know how many books he has, but I read one of them. 
the cover winning? is like black and white. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Black <laughs> and yellow. And yes. Yeah, yeah. It, that's exactly it's what It's so good. Actually, it was during the time I was doing my master's. Um, oh. in one of my classes, they they told us, oh, read this book or whatever. Oh, that's great. It's a great book. And by the way, his wife is also really smart and she has a great blog. If you guys want to read oh, it. Oh, what's her name? I forgot her name now, but I'll look for it. I'll, I, yeah, I'll Google I, it. I am subscribed to his page on LinkedIn and he is always pushing out great content. If you guys want to follow him on LinkedIn. Um, Jack Welch. Jack Welch. Amazing. Perfect. She's something Welch or something. <laughs> yeah, <I forgot. laughs> we'll Google him and we'll get her. Yeah. But, so you're… Okay, so your company, The Digital Buzz. Thank I love you. the name. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. How'd you come up with that name? So, it's so funny. I, I, I'm glad that you guys like the name, but I have learned the hard way that I didn't, I didn't think of this name right. Because we're in Miami and people are calling it The Digital Buzz. That's and funny. I'm like… <laughs> Leave it to Miamians to and, mess and it up. I have to… Buzz, <laughs> buzz with a Z, and they're like buzz. And I'm like, and then other people are like the digital buzz, and I'm like, that should have been better than buzz. Anyway, it's just been, you know, <laughs> really funny uh, to hear people uh, pronounce the name. Um, I just it, it started with the whole, you know, you gotta create buzz in the digital world. You gotta like, you know, make noise. You cannot just stay silent. And the buzz, the buzz, the buzz. And then I wanted a, an easy, friendly logo, and that's why I put the little B um, on the on the logo. I I never wanted to be um, like the agency that's very intimidating for people. I'm sort of the anti-agency in that sense. You know, when you meet with an agency and they throw all these words, and they're like, and the other person, the poor client, is like, I don't know what they're yeah, talking right. about. All the acronyms, you're like, what? And it's it's very intimidating. And 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 in my class, I teach all the acronyms so that they never again feel this way. Uh, but uh, but I I wanted to be a very approachable. It's like, listen, you know, I'm here to help you. I I'm not I'm not really um, working uh, for you. I'm working with you. This is our partnership. So I, that's part of the name and and the logo. Um, Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so well, now that we're already in there, tell us about the services, some of the classes, some of the, you know, the most, um, I guess, the heavily um, gone to classes uh -huh. that people are like signing up to. So the most popular class is the mini MBA um, that uh, that I have that is a two day training. So the, the reason why I created this, I took a year off. And I, thank God I had, I, I was able to, again, I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. I could do it. A lot of people can't. Some people, you know, they have jobs, they have lives. They cannot just like disappear for a year. Um, and I wanted to create something that was very friendly for working professionals, whether you're an entrepreneur or an executive, whatever it is, a, an influencer, a celebrity, where they could learn this stuff, but in a very immersive way that didn't need a lot of time commitment. So I designed a program that was completely jam-packed. It, it, it's a whole year, but with the things that actually you need. Because this is what happens when you when you learn. And, and you guys can relate to this with your college degrees. How many classes have you used in real life that you, that you, you did in college? A lot of them aren't useful. They, they just aren't. So when, they, when you learn digital marketing, the same thing happens. There's a lot of things that you don't really use. But because I went to work in digital marketing and I worked in different companies, I worked at Swatch Group and at Wilma Schumann, I know exactly what's needed. So I took away all the excess and all the stuff that's filler, really, for the learning. And I just put together a very strategic approach with real-life needs and real-life objectives of what you're going to be able to implement. So I designed the program two days so that you can be in and out 
and come out with a full understanding of digital marketing, social media, how to implement it, how to actually, you know, keep keep uh, growing your business, get the results that you want. Because a lot of people are very frustrated. They're like, they're so intimidated that they're frozen. I I can't even tell you how many people are like, I don't even know where to start. I don't know where to start with this thing. Um, and and they they're so fearful that then they don't do anything. <laughs> so so then they get they stay stuck. And then their competitors, of course, they they completely like surpass them in so many ways that the, then then they're you know they they become obsolete. So so the program is the most popular one is that one. That's what people want. The full, you know, the whole nine yards of the of the two days. But th I have another one that's a one day social media because some people just want to concentrate on social media. Um, and then I have uh, an influencer program for celebrities, celebrities, which is what the one I've done for Univision and Telemundo and influencers because they have different goals, um, influencers than brands and companies. They have, you know, different objectives. They have different needs. So the program is a lot shorter is four hours um, and it's uh, it's definitely uh, different with that angle how to monetize because this is what happens with a lot of influencers oh you know my posts are really pretty and I have great clothes and I have a ton of followers and I'm like are you making money well not really I'm like listen unless you're converting or unless you're monetizing you just have a very expensive hobby so let's put some strategy behind this um, so that's that's the angle that a lot of influencers need that they don't you know they just they want to live their best life but they, they're, then they're not making any money they're actually going bankrupt in the process right because right. just receiving free product is not making a living and a lot of people don't realize that exactly exactly so the true the the real successful influencers are the ones that know how to monetize this the ones that are looking at this long term and the ones that are really putting you know thought behind every single post that the ones that are planning ahead um, and they're activating different initiatives. It's not just about the pretty picture. It's not. That's the easy part. Um, it's everything that goes behind it. Right. Which would include like the actual engagement, right? And the um, yeah. what else? So it, there's a lot of things. So it, it, it includes, you know, from the promotions that you can run. It includes the, the blog that you need to have. It includes the traffic that you need to generate to your website. It has to do with SEO. It has to do with, you know, different things. It has to do with, with are your values aligned with those brands that need to work with you? Or are you just, I mean, because again, I, I've worked with uh, some um, companies that, yes, they have a lot of followers, but then they don't have conversions. And it is a lot about the quality of the your followers. If you have a lot of followers that they, they you have great conversations, that's great. But uh, I, I don't know about you, but I don't eat from conversations. I eat from conversions. So conversions, conversions is what gives you what I mean. It, either you have a hobby or you have a business, and that's where I try to help influencers. You know, design a business. The ones that are interested. If you want to make this your career, you have to make it a business. Otherwise, in, and you have to know the business and how it works. You have to know the business, and you have to. It's so competitive now for the poor influencers. There's so many out there that you have to really set yourself apart from everyone else. What is your X factor? What can you do that nobody else can do? What do you bring to the table to brands? Because there's a lot of influencers out there. It's amazing how competitive it is. So oversaturated. It's completely. But just see, seeing it from the other perspective on, for instance, us, the business side, like working with influencers, I know there's been a shift of also, you know, moving away from the influencers with a lot of following, 
but maybe not so much engagement to like more the micro influencers that have proven to get you the conversions that you really want. Exactly. Absolutely. Um, when you think about it, the elite or celebrity influencers are only 1% of the market. So imagine the opportunity for the micro influencers. Um, and, and by the way, people think that micro influencers are 100,000 followers and they're not. It can be 1,000 followers. Your fans can be micro influencers. Um, yeah, you you wouldn't think that. Um, anybody over 1,000 followers, um, it's it's someone that's worth talking to just because they're going to give social proof to your business or to your service. Uh, and definitely, I mean, yes, the, in the beginning, it was a lot about the vanity metrics. Okay, like how many followers does this person have? But in the past year, a lot of brands are like, wait a second. Okay, like, first of all, how many of these are fake followers? Number one. Number two, um, are, are you aligned with the values of my brand? Um, and number three, the smaller the, the group of followers, the more uh, uniform the followers are going to be. With, when, when you have very large followings, it, there's a high probability that there's a lot of people in there. There's, you know, women, men, people that like cooking and people that like comics or whatever. It is such a big pool of people. But with micro-influencers, they tend to have a more uniform niche following, which is perfect for brands. Because so it's better segmented for what it, you need. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So that's the trend for, for, for the new year. Definitely uh, going smaller and, and creating um, more... Um, more relationships. I mean, it, it, it's it's going from tra transactional to relational with uh, with influencer marketing. You cannot contact someone and okay, do a post, and I'm going to pay you this just one post. It just doesn't work like that anymore. You have to have a community uh, that is engaged with that follow with that influencer, and then you have to create a long term relationship with that influencer. I mean, you have to invite them to events, and you have to use their content also in your blog or in your email. It's all integrated. It's not just it's not just a one off. Exactly, it's not in a silo. That that. It's it's like trying to hit a bird with one bullet and it's like miles and miles away. That it, I mean, if you just do one post, chances are you're not going to get the results that you get. Or even like three posts, right? Or even like three posts. And by the way, it's not like action-reaction with influencer. Influencer marketing is a top-of-the-funnel marketing strategy. And what that means is that it's for brand awareness. Um, unlike a Google ad, for example, or unlike a Facebook ad, where you see an ad, you click, you go to the page, you may buy or not buy. It is, you know, a direct response um, strategy. With influencer it is, again, you're building social proof, especially if you're a smaller, new brand. You're building brand awareness, brand recall. It is different. It's, it's top of the funnel. And then you have to do different initiatives around that so that to get people to convert. But rarely is it going to be, oh, I saw this influencer. I'm going to buy this right now. Unless you're Kendall Jenner, most people don't have this kind of power. But it's amazing for for, for branding purposes. So I, I also get this question from people that have bosses and they're like, my boss doesn't want to allow this because it's expensive and they want to see a return on investment. And so you don't really use ROI in influencer marketing, you use ROE, which is return on engagement. It's very different and you have to think in different terms. Um, and, and, and it's never, oh, I'm just going to do influencer marketing. No, it's, when you do digital marketing, you better activate two or three different channels. Just one, it's impossible because the people are so fragmented. Some people may be on Google. Some people may be, you know, just on the website. Some people may be YouTube. You got to do different things because you, everyone, is, how, how 
many people are just on one thing. We're all everywhere. Right. So if you're, but, but if you're a small business and you don't, they don't really have like the means to hire a social media manager or a content creator, right? Yeah. What advice do you have for them when they, for them to handle their own social media accounts? Yeah. Like what can they do better to kind of like uh, reach uh, more audience and have better engagement with their customers? Yeah. So this is a good question. And, and for smaller businesses, it's very overwhelming because usually the small business owner is doing everything. <laughs> it's right. like doing the taxes, bringing the coffee, sweeping the floor, doing the social media. Um, the first thing I, I always recommend is um, learn. Learn this stuff. There's so many free uh, um, tools that you can use. First of all, uh, Facebook has a Facebook blueprint, which has a ton of courses on all things Facebook and Instagram for free, number one. And you find it through Facebook Oh, yeah. You go, if you Google Facebook Blueprint, uh -huh. you're going to find all those courses there. Okay. They're amazing. So definitely start by learning this stuff. And th they're basic to intermediate. So they're super easy to digest. Then you have on the Google side, you have the Google Digital Garage, which is also all free. They have so many classes so that you start immersing yourself in this stuff. The worst thing you can do is thinking you know how to do it and start just doing what you feel it's right. It may not be right. You got to learn it. You got to have the humility to start over and dedicate some time. It may be that you're doing it at midnight, um, one hour a week. That's fine. Whatever it is, definitely invest the time. Um, and that way you are going to have more guidance. Um, this isn't just like, oh, you know, uh, like, a, like a crazy strategy. You're just going to throw things like pasta to the wall, see what sticks. You, you, you're going to frustrate yourself. You're going to lose money. You can lose a lot of money, let me tell you, on this stuff. And then you're going to end up not doing it because then you don't believe in it. It's like a scam. <laughs> I've heard it all. So definitely, I, I say start by learning, by training yourself and start small. A lot of businesses are like, well, I need to have a Twitter and an Instagram and a Facebook. It's like, why? Why do you need to be everywhere? So where is your target audience? Just where do they live? It may be, I mean, if you're targeting a younger demographic, then maybe it's Snapchat and just Snapchat. Or maybe it's, it's Twitter. Usually it's Instagram the most. It, that's the biggest one, but it, it may not be. So what is your service? Who are you? Who, who, who's your target demographic? And then think of a platform. Start with one platform have an amazing platform and be consistent. Nothing worse than going to a Facebook page and seeing that the last post was seven months ago. How depressing right. is that? Right. <laughs> Your listeners and girls gone boss. Hosted by Alex and Gabby. I love you guys. Oh, yeah.